Thanks for coming back to listen to our show. We're doing super great. We want to thank our listeners. We've got over 80,000 downloads so far, and we just want to thank everybody for sticking with us. We are particularly grateful for the positive reviews on iTunes and just want to let you know that we're still just starting out and trying to improve our show with each episode. And yes, I'm addressing the two or three negative ones right now, (laughs) but I will not address them directly because uh, I don't negotiate with terrorists. Ultimately, we're hoping to generate some income from this project so we can hire some help, you know, people that can help us put our show together and also reach a goal of ours of being able to produce it weekly instead of every other week. If you're a fan, you can help us out immensely by spreading the word about our show and telling everyone you know how to find, download, and listen to us. In the meanwhile, we're going to keep doing our best to bring you new and interesting content. Before we get on to tonight's episode, which there's a little footnote about that too, because it's, it's a little different from what we teased last week, but I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. We, we would be remiss if we didn't mention that a new expedition just went to the Millie Atoll to look for Amelia Earhart's plane. If, you, if this is the first episode of the show you're hearing or you haven't heard our Amelia Earhart special, you might not know why I would want to mention that right now. But we did a two-part show on Amelia Earhart's disappearance. And we, initially, we thought that was going to be a single episode, and we would just talk about it for 45 or 50 minutes. And it turned into this whole big thing. And it's a super fascinating case to us. So this group that we did not cover in that show has gone back to the Millie Atoll because they say that late last year they found parts of her plane there. Now, if you haven't heard our Amelia special, I'm not going to get too deep into it here because I don't want to be a spoiler for anyone that hasn't heard it. However, I will say this. This expedition to the Millie Atoll supports the theory that Forrest and I both bet all our chips on in our special in terms of what happened to her, or hypothesis, I should say. So this this group that has gone back there apparently found a small aluminum cover plate and a circular metal dust cover from a landing gear wheel assembly that some unnamed experts have vetted and say it's from her plane. Now, this is not to be confused with the large piece of metal that Rick Gillespie of Tiger has been publicizing lately a whole lot because he's, he's the one that supports a theory that they crashed and were castaways on the island of Nicomororo. This is a different island. It's many hundreds of miles away. And it's a different theory completely. So this is not about what you saw, if you did see anything, in the paper in the past couple of months. And by the way, that piece of the plane that Rick Gillespie has been saying so much about and doing press releases on was actually found in 1992. These two pieces were found late last year. And this group, I think it's called the Amelia Earhart Recovery Group or something like that. It's specifically named for her. They have gone back and they are looking for the rest of the plane. In addition to this discovery of these two pieces that they think are from her plane, it has recently come to light that there was an underground Japanese hospital on the Jaluit Atoll, very close to the Millie Atoll, which supports one of the hypotheses that says that they crash-landed but were more or less intact but still needed medical attention. So that's, that's super interesting, again, playing into... What we what we honestly think probably happened to her. There's a tendency to protect discoveries as it relates to Amelia's disappearance. So it may be a while before we hear if they find anything new because it has to go through a, a lot of processes to determine whether or not they can actually make a connection. Unless, you know, some piece just floats up on the beach with the serial number of her Electra 10E on it. So we're going to keep you posted and let you know if this gets us any closer to finding out what actually happened to Amelia. <laughs> Welcome back to Astonishing Legends. I'm Scott Philbrook, and this is Forrest Burgess. People with a psychological need to believe in marvels are no more prejudiced and gullible than people with a psychological need not to believe in marvels. 
Charles Hoy Fort. Join us tonight for The Kukowski Intruder, a story about a visitor that haunts the dreams of more than one member of a family. All right, so tonight we're in the studio with special guests, Liz and Craig Kukowski, who are brother and sister. And uh, we just want to say welcome. Thank you for coming. Thanks Thank for having you. us. Absolutely. A little bit of background about these guys. They are of the Woodbridge, Virginia Kakowskis. So many Kakowskis. You got to get that. Yeah. I, well, you know, I was looking on. town specific there. I was yeah. looking on Ancestry.com and you guys are all up in Wisconsin and Michigan and up in the Northeast. But Craig is actually the last of our family Kakowski if he does not have I, a boy. I need to have a male heir. Yeah. Oh, really? For this Kakowski line to continue, the Woodbridge Kakowskis. And oh. there's a ton of cousins and everything, but he is. I'm the only Kikowski. Uh-oh, you better get out there and get busy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so a little bit of background on these two. They're both seasoned comedy performers and writers and actors who initially learned their trade with Second City in Chicago. Uh, from there, Liz went on to write for Saturday Night Live for a few years. She'd done some acting along the way, including a part in Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yes. And Neighbors, recently. And Neighbors. Yes. Additionally, she's now working on Last Man on Earth, which is Will Forte's new show. So good. Comes out in a few weeks. March 1st, I think. Yeah, is March 1st. And Craig is a regular player and improv actor in the popular stage show and podcast, The Thrilling Adventure Hour. That's is, correct. And how often do you guys do that show? We do it once a month at Largo in Los Angeles, and we podcast it once a week. Right. And we also tour the country, if not the world. That is so cool. And Rolling Stone said it was one of the 20 best comedy podcasts in 2014. They should know. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. So, That's their bread and butter. Yeah, podcasts. Yeah. And also you've been on Drunk History. Yeah, I'm a series regular on Drunk History. We're about to start season three uh, shooting next month, so I'm pretty excited for that. That's a fun show, I'm sure. Yeah, it's pretty much as much fun to do as it looks like. Yeah. (laughs) Every day I'm just in a different wig, different beard, different (laughs) historical era. I really enjoy it. That's awesome. We both have a connection to Community, because I was a writer for Community, and now Craig plays Officer Krakowski on Community. I I was born to play Officer Krakowski. (laughs) That's very cool. He's not a Wisconsin or a Michigan Krakowski. (laughs) He's not one of them. Um, all right, so we brought you guys in because you have kind of an interesting multidimensional story. There's two parts to it. I'm not sure who wants to go first. I was kind of thinking, Liz, you would probably, because I wanted to hear it the way that I heard it, which was you told me first, and then I got to the second part of it with you, Craig, and if, if that's all right with you, Liz. Yes, of course. All right, so first, why don't you start out with a little bit about, you know, set it up, where it happened and when it happened, and then go ahead and go into it. Okay. I always lived in the house I grew up in, so... You know, I never moved or anything. And and my house in in Woodbridge, Virginia, the the basement was always a bit creepy, just had just a vibe that was like, like, I only want to be down here during the day and I would only go down there with other people. Just didn't like it. And had other friends kind of feel the same way about that, too, of like occasionally say something. And anytime I had to get upstairs in the basement, I would run really fast. So there was just something in our house that just felt a little off, you know, and then wouldn't really talk about it or anything, but just, and I always had very vivid dreams growing up and lots of nightmares. I'm somebody who just, that's my norm is to have a like really vivid nightmare, (laughs) Uh, which is just so fun. Now, just quickly, is this this an old house or how? It was built in the seventies. So Craig moved there. How old were you? I lived in another place as a baby, but I moved into the house probably when I was four. I think it was built in 1973. Okay. And And my parents are the only people who have lived in this house. Yeah. 
And, uh, and it, no house was on that land prior to this one being yeah, built. Yeah, it was right. just built for these houses. And okay. it's very suburban, cookie cutter houses, the, sort of this contemporary look to it. But, you know, you, you might mistake our house for the one next door. It's like, a suburb of D.C., so it's all military and government worker families. Mm-hmm. Is there a name to the... Uh... Uh, the Knowles. The Knowles. Right. Oh, there's more. There's some Knowles in Raleigh yes. too. Yeah. Actually. That's, <laughs> you know, and it, not not for nothing. You said you might mistake it. You also, I'm just quickly going to point out, and we have pictures on our website. You also might mistake it for the Poltergeist house. <laughs> yes. Weirdly, looks a lot like the Poltergeist. Yeah, house. it looks a lot, a lot. All right. So, any, so anyway. okay. So just like when I'd be home alone in the house as I grew up, it just sort of sometimes just felt like, Ugh. and. Craig is eight years older than me, so he went to college when I was in fourth grade. My sister went to college when I was in sixth grade. So from sixth grade on, I was sort you know only child in the house. And the upstairs of our house, the third floor, is just the three bedrooms for the kids. So just my sister's bedroom, one bathroom that we all shared, mine, Craig's. And so I want to say – I wish I could remember more specifically. Like it was this year, but I want to say it was my sophomore year of high school, around there. And – Just every night after I would like brush my teeth and get ready for bed in the bathroom, I'd walk down this hallway to my room and I just had this yucky feeling looking at Craig's room like and he was gone and everything. But just the feel of walking down that hallway just felt kind of like, I don't like this. And I would quickly get in my room, shut the door, feel okay in my room. But I almost every night just went to bed, just not not feeling that safe and just feeling like this. I don't know if it was every night or let's say a few times a week, but it was so many times in this one year where middle of the night I'd have this dream that sort of – when I talk about my dreams, I end up saying they're shot. But I know they're not shot, but I they there's right. edits and Too stuff in my dreams. Like, you yes. like a filmmaker. <laughs> yes. But it was like it was shot from the point of view of something bad coming down that hallway, that exact same – the way I would see it when I would walk – Toward my room. So it was your point of view. It was your POV then. I guess, yeah. So, but you, so you are technically the bad thing coming down the hall. You're I just don't seeing know. it from that. POV. I'm seeing it from yeah. that POV. Okay. Right. You, okay. Not something coming towards you. Not something coming down. toward me. You, I'm you. coming down. Okay. Right. Yes. But it really, there's a ton of edits in my dreams. It really is like there's like a six camera setup. Like we go all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Nice, nice. So sometimes back to me in bed and back to the back to the thing coming down the hall. an overhead shot <laughs> over the shoulder of the ghost. Like, <laughs> so less Kubrick and more Scorsese. Yeah, yeah. And it would go toward Craig's room and pass me. And my bed was right against the wall toward the hallway. So then it turned around. And I want to if if I ever saw anything, it was like kind of a light of some kind, but a creepy light, not a nice light, like a just this like energy. And then it would hover right outside of the wall and and then seep its way. First it went to Craig's room, though, spun around, seeped its way through the wall and would hover above me like this light, this yucky presence hovering above my body. Then I'd wake up with sleep paralysis, which I'd never had in my life. I've never had since. I couldn't move. I was terrified. And I remember having one... finger would start to be able to move. I'd be able to shake this hand. I'd move this hand over to this hand, hit it. This arm would start to move. And then I'd be able to move my body 
a few times I remember just booking it out of my room, running down the stairs, going to my parents' room, even though I was like 15 years old and asking to sleep in their bed. Or I would just kind of get over it in a way, but be so scared, hate it, hate everything that's happening, somehow fall back asleep. Did you ever try to speak or did you ever get the feeling that you couldn't speak during this paralysis? There, there was, I was way too scared. And I think I would have been way too scared to say like, get away or stop. I was, I was, I think because I was like, oh my God, something's going to yell back at me. Like it's in this room and I hate it. And when you describe, you know, sort of shaking it off in a way, how did you do that if you were so terrified? That is that in itself was weird for you, right? Like, yes, it's something you've, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it was just like, why can't I, I think it was like, get this thing off of me. Or some, I mean. Now, now to oh. clarify, you said you're coming down the hall. Mm-hmm. You're seeing that you're in the POV, yeah. the point of view of whatever it is coming down the hall. Now, when you say you're, there's edits and there's different shots. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah. is it always? Do you, I are would you see at yourself? You I would, would see, see me. Okay, that's really interesting. Yeah, and I and but I would never see a face or anything. There's nothing to say like, oh, it was a woman. It was a man. It was just this energy. This, you're, but you're always looking out from the eyes. Of this, yeah, presence. but then sometimes, yeah, and then like, yeah, God, I, I'm like trying. Did you have any trouble breathing? Mm, probably, I don't remember that specifically. But it was. I don't a remember a moment of like, <gasps> you right. know. I right. just, it just, it's the, it's the most scared I've ever been in my life. Can I ask you another yeah. semi personal question? Do you sleep on your back or on your side? Uh, now I sleep on my tummy always. My tummy. Oh, <laughs> it's so cute. Oh my god. <laughs> I sleep on my tummy, um, and I think, but I did not sleep on my stomach then. Do you I, remember? I, how I you slept s- on my on my back. Okay. I was definitely like this always. Yeah. Okay. I'll come back to that later. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then I don't remember the moment that those dreams stopped happening. I would, you know, wake up, I'd go to school. I don't remember ever telling anybody about it. No friend, no anything. Because some, somehow by morning, I, I didn't remember it. Right. And it wasn't like if somebody would have asked me about it, I'd been like, oh, yeah, that happens to me at night. It's like I would remember it when I would walk down the hall and get ready for bed. Of like, oh, crap, that thing happens to me at night. But by morning... It, it was as if it didn't happen. Um, so it wasn't like I spent the day scared or worried or anything. It was that moment of about to go to bed and going, oh, I hope I don't have that dream tonight. That dream sucks. Even like, say, two hours before going to bed. you would No, it'd be just like just the, before. It would be that walk down the hallway. Wow. And, yeah. I and, wouldn't dread going to bed, like doing homework yeah. or it's time for bed. I'm watching the Cosby show or whatever. Like, what, Was it the act of walking down the hallway uh-huh. that would trigger that? Because now you're, sure. look, now you're seeing what you've I seen your I would start dreams. to feel a little creeped out in our bathroom. Yeah. That moment of brushing teeth and looking in the mirror. I didn't like that mirror in there. Did you I hated ever, the mirror. Right. Did you ever think or think that you saw or saw something maybe that would – not looking into the mirror because there might be something behind you? You're I was see really scared of mirrors in general in our house. Yeah. And then unfortunately we have we have these cathedral ceilings. Wall-to-wall mirrors in places. Wall-to-wall <laughs> mirror that's yeah. 20 feet tall. The whole <laughs> yes. – Oh, man. And that room – I was like, I can't even go in. And I would sort of see part of that room on the way. But but the I, I would like wash my face quickly and be like, I don't even want to look up. So I already had a creepy feeling at night. 
get into my room and be like, ugh, ugh, ugh. Okay, so that then at some point it went away. <laughs> I don't know when exactly, but I was like, okay, good. Um, hadn't really thought about it. I had a few moments in college, one year in college of a dorm room that felt really creepy to me. And I was like, oh, I remember this feeling. This sucks. I hate it. And then sort of thought like, is this the same ghost that's followed me? Is this new? Am I always going to be haunted? And then the next year was in a place that felt fine. And luckily, like I want to knock on what since then I haven't lived in a place that's made me feel uncomfortable. Most of my nightmares still take place in that Woodbridge house and are very ghost related. Wait, um, currently, that you currently, currently have. have take place in that house. Wow, always take place in that house. Meaning that the Woodbridge the house. dream is there. Not, I don't not have that, that dream ever there. anymore. But but I mean, I guess what I'm asking yeah. you when you say they take place in that house, you're not necessarily physically in the house. The dream takes place in the house. The dream takes place in the okay. house. Okay. And but when you go home to stay there. I don't like it still. <laughs> right. But it's right. better. It's right. so much but there's something it's I don't think it's there anymore. The base I still would never sleep in that basement. I don't know if you have you slept in the basement ever? Maybe uh with, with friends who were spending the night. Maybe we slept in the basement a couple times, but I, would I wouldn't never, even do it. I would never sleep there alone, no. No. You wouldn't. Okay. Even no. now, right? Even now. Yeah, no. is for it a, sure no. Is it a walkout basement? Like does you it can happen? walk out to it the uh, back. Yeah. It's not to completely the under the ground. No, right. Yeah. Interesting. But it's well, we're on a hill, so right. the top part the of, the house, of the house. Yeah, and then as you go further, so they definitely. I mean, they. I don't know if. Yeah, okay. but that. So I. I still don't like. I feel creeped out. My when we go home. What? Uh, tell us about your friend Susan. Oh yes. Okay. So my best friend Susan was always a little scared of the basement too, and would say things like. Oh, it's creepy down here. And so in high school, she was spending the night. She had to go downstairs to get one of the like the comforters because we were like, we're not going to sleep down here. She went down by herself. I saw her, you know, five minutes later, tears in her eyes, so scared. I was like, what happened? She's like, I went down there and I grabbed it and I started running up the stairs and I heard, get the fuck out of here. Wow. And, and then I don't she even... specifically said the F word? Yes. Wow. <laughs> and I just texted her this week knowing I was doing I was like, what was that story? You know, like, what was that story you had in our house? And just wanted to make sure I had remembered it right. And she wrote back that exact same thing. She's like, oh, I'll never forget it. Something yelled, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's amazing. And I don't even think we were such good kids. Like, I don't think we said the F word. Right. Right. <laughs> Right. Like we weren't dropping that yeah. anyway. So it was less that it was a malevolent spirit than yeah. it was, yeah. than it was a naughty Didn't word. No, <laughs> well the thing that's interesting about that is it's period related. Like the language in the word. How old is the well, word? Yeah. How old right. is the ghost? Well, you know, I was right. asking Scott about that because obviously it's it's whatever entity it is, is current with the lingo. Yeah, they're not <laughs> really sure. Or, you know, if when... it's eighteen eighteenth uh, century and beyond yeah. earlier. Right. We're wondering, are they picking this up now because they're just listening in? What's going on here? Yeah. And, but it, obviously, it was the des desired effect. Yes. Yeah. It got her. And it did. It. Did you, I mean, did you have that, like, any time I went up the stairs of that basement, like, our laundry room was in the basement. So if I was doing laundry, I would run up the stairs. I often ran up the stairs, yeah. And there was a feeling that you didn't want to look back as you, you could not look stairs. back. Wow. Let me That's ask, so, oh, my God, I've never heard Craig say it. That is so... You wouldn't, you can't look back. Did either of you ever see anything 
No. Actually, see anything? No. no. In the basement. Okay. No. Or no. any. All right. Before we get on to just... the either of you question. Right. I didn't want to jump <laughs> yeah. into that, but since okay. we're we're chiming in here, I just wanted to be clear because I that was my understanding is that it's it's all of a heavy feeling. Mm-hmm. Yes. But even in the mirrors, you never no one no. ever saw anything. Well, no. so so as you said, you're never... very scared to look. Yeah. And it's interesting because we have someone else who's been on our show who has calls herself a little bit psychic and. She has a story that we recorded and haven't been able to air because it relates to a real-life murder, and we're still waiting for permission from a friend of one of the victims. Hmm. But she has an amazing story, um, and one of the things that bothered her the most was the mirror in her bathroom, and uh, she would feel the presences behind her yeah. in that mirror. And it was like, and oh, it's if I look that. up right now, I'm going to see this thing yeah. behind me, and I don't want to. So I remember washing my face like this, grabbing a towel, and like running out and, of there and and another one of our episodes which we recorded um well, this same this one. woman no well Marty i was yeah yeah saw something in a mirror yeah they went to uh the queen mary and he saw an apparition behind him in the queen mary in a, in a mirror and he who he described as baron munchausen <laughs> <laughs> he was getting dressed or the actor portraying yeah. like john For neville sure. john yeah. neville yeah. Specifically. Yeah, exactly. okay. yeah but john neville was in his room it was weird no um so anyway you never told anybody about this you didn't tell your parents even when no. you were scared and you went to stay no in i think room. i just said oh i had a terrible dream had right. a nightmare right and they were so tired you know it was, yeah. who knows what time it was like get in here like yeah. didn't care okay and so okay so how does it unfold past that point so i would say 10 years later i lived in chicago craig had moved to Chicago to do Second City, and I had done like improv in college, and was like, "Oh, that's where I want to live too." And and I I don't think I even were, I was probably touring with Second City at the time. But anyway, we were all like hanging out with other Second City people at a bar, and people started telling ghost stories. And Craig starts telling basically the same story I just told you about this ghost dream that haunted him when he was in high school and i just heard him telling the story that was exactly what i experienced in our house eight years apart but about like at a 15 year old and i just like my eyes welled up and i had shivers all down my body and i remember say we were at corcoran's and i said like craig that same thing happened to me we had never talked about it. I had not talked about it since then, uh, since it had happened to me as, as a kid. But uh, pretty much most of the particulars, as Liz tells it, happened to me when I was about the same age. I could have been 15 or 16. I was probably a sophomore or junior in high school. I would wake up in the middle of the night, probably around 3 a.m., just about every night for a year. And I would feel a presence moving down the hallway toward my room. My door would usually be open, by the way, because I could always, from my bed, see all the way down the hallway to the uh, toward the bathroom. We have a picture of the yes. hallway on, okay, the, on the website, good. so everyone For can check it out. For yeah, corroboration. Yeah. And while I was sleeping, I would feel this presence slowly moving toward me and then eventually arriving in my room and I would then wake up paralyzed with fear or just with sleep paralysis I don't know convinced that there was some sort of malevolent presence in in the room with me after a few minutes I would be able to move again 
I would go back to sleep easily. I was a teenager. <laughs> After all, it's easy to it's yeah. easy mm-hmm. to sleep. Yeah. I would wake up in the morning, completely forget that it had happened. I would go about my day and never told a friend, never told my parents, never told my sisters about it. And then again, every night it would happen again. And similar to what Liz was saying, as it was happening, I'd feel like, oh yeah, this is a thing that happens to me. Every, every yeah, night. like while happening, you go, oh, God, that's right. God, this sucks. You yeah. know? That's so weird. But somehow you, you would just wipe it out of your mind mm-hmm. okay, so were after you having, it happened. Were you having the same Scorsese experience she was having or did you have like a – No, I did not have the uh, the multiple <laughs> – POV. POV. Handheld. With a, uh, yeah. I would – it didn't feel like a dream. It felt it felt real that I was just lying in bed. I would sleep on my back. Okay. By the way, I slept on my back, so I would be kind of paralyzed in bed. I would feel this thing moving toward me, and then eventually land in my room. And that's when I would my eyes would kind of open then, and I would be paralyzed. So you didn't visualize it in the hallway like she did. You just knew it was there. No, it was no. a knowing feeling. Yes. And you, Liz, described mm-hmm. it as heading towards his room and coming back to yours, right? It was like it was heading for, well, now knowing, you know, at the time didn't know, but it did go for Craig's room, spin around and be like, well, wait a minute, who are you? (laughs) You know, kind of like. And also, oh yeah, he went to college. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's gone. (laughs) But like the path to Craig's room was the really scary part for me in, in like, in, uh, awake life, you know, like even, even during the day, not even talking about night, like I didn't want to go into Craig's room. So Craig's room and basement were the two areas of my house that just sucked. Just, just bad, just bad vibe. Did you ever go into his bedroom at all? Uh, very little. Very Once rarely. he left, it was like, why would I go in so there? Just because it was messy. It, <laughs> it wasn't. Yeah. yeah. After I left, it pretty much just became storage for. Uh, it's Chris. It's uh, wrapping it's a, paper. It's a Christmas <laughs> wrapping paper room. There's yeah. a lot of wrapping paper. My my wife, when she visited uh, my childhood house, found it creepy that my parents had pretty much preserved it as I had lived <laughs> in it when I was seventeen. Yeah. Right. Well, that's every, uh, yeah. My yeah. bedroom's the same way. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, did Carla get a vibe from it? No, no, no. And uh, I don't go back to my parents' house very often, but when I go back, I sleep great. I actually sleep in Allison's room. Me too, Allison. Oh, okay. She, so wait, this is really interesting though. Now thinking about it, so our sister Allison is just fifteen months younger than Craig. What is she? Seven years older than me. She has no experience of any of this. Is like you guys are crazy. No. But her room feels great, and that's where I sleep, too. I still don't want to sleep in my room. I would never sleep in Craig's room. I would never sleep in the basement. And in high school, I moved over to her room after that that year, I guess, because senior year, I slept in her room every night. And her room feels great. And you never had an issue in there? No, it's great. But you, you said, <laughs> Craig, you're, for you, the experience lasted about a year as well? Mm-hmm. And when it ended for you, did you move rooms or leave the house or it just ended? It just ended. Okay. And then I slept in that room until I I'm, I went off to college, uh, but I didn't move out fully from my parents' house until I was 22. So I still slept in that room whenever I was home until then. And you guys were roughly the same age 
when this when happened. When the ev- events but, were happening, yeah, but, but eight years apart. Eight years apart. Wow. Okay. Okay. So what what happened? <laughs> well, <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot of possibilities here for this. Um, first of all, the, that part of that part of Virginia where your parents' house is um, has a rich history. It, you know, it goes back. They, uh, according to some cursory research, we always say cursory. We have well, you always in, say it. I have a degree in cursory research. Um, <laughs> she studied for cursorily. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the, you know, there were Native Americans there going back like a thousand years, and it's surrounded by the Potomac and the Aka. Occoquan. Occoquan. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's a major thoroughfare. Now, Occoquan is a village, a colonial village. Uh, we were talking about this uh, while Scott was setting up a, a little bit. Now, would you t- tell us about that, the town? It's kind of a quaint town of knick-knack shops and, right. you know, artisan But also <laughs> creepy. Yeah. Like, but also you creepy, You feel yeah. like something in every store. There was like a, a hat shop and a jelly bean shop and right. a, like just very specific shops there. Yeah. Very cute. But, like, something just feels off there. Right. And there's a house on a hill. Do you remember that house on the hill? It's Vaguely. My friend Dan yeah. would be able to t- – I remember he did, like, a research paper about Occoquan. Yeah. He was obsessed and was, like – and found weird stuff about it. I'm sure if people yeah. Google it, like, it's Well, that's what's interesting is to me is that it's, it's, the, um, it's the sinister aspect of the prosaic. Like, it's not even trying to be creepy. It's just got to – it just has that weird vibe, <laughs> which they play up. You said there's, they do a big thing for Halloween. Yeah. Uh, they know – and they talk about, like, an – just like a nice suburban lady who works in one of the stores will yeah. be like, well, we have a ghost here. And it's just, that's fine. <laughs> so you know. But they do ghost tours oh, the and ghost. stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. They, but, know, yeah. they know what they're dealing with. But what they, I'm saying is it's not like a, a row of occult shops and, and no. Ouija board stores all no. the way down Main Street. Not at all. They're just it's like, just a we quaint have kind of, ghosts. Yeah. And that's just what we are. We're Occoquan. Oh, <laughs> And how how far away is this from uh, the the grassy knolls here? The uh, ten oh. minutes. Yeah, I was gonna if say that? I was gonna say two miles. Yeah, right. me yeah. too. Two or three miles, maybe. <laughs> and the river itself, which is also Occoquan, right? yeah, that's yes. that's close by, and that's what yeah. the, the town is right on the river. Okay. Yeah. Now this, I I'm not sure if this is true or not, but I remember my friend Richie, who was really into and still is like very into ghost stories and everything. We would always like talk about stuff. We'd do Ouija board and stuff, and he said that our area was extra ghost heavy because two waterways cross paths and flow in opposite directions you guys ever been to salem for any of the, uh, salem in the new Mass? england no. yeah i have other... there was one when i toured with second city we stayed in one super <laughs> creepy college did you ever we stayed at a in a haunted, like a haunted house house in new hampshire Oh. Same. Okay. Same. Yeah. In a small, like liberal arts college. Small liberal arts college in New Hampshire, and yes. they put us up. It is the it, that was sadistically an in the awful same feeling. House. Yeah. Wow. We and this was we toured five years separate or something, but yeah, yeah. my group they. I guess that's every year. It's like send the kids, send the comedy kids to that house. <laughs> oh, so it's a it's and a everybody thing. everybody felt it like that next morning was like. I don't know. That's what to me makes some of these like, because it's not like everywhere I go, I feel something. I can go years without feeling anything. The house I currently live in feels great. Yeah. And I remember like after our house feeling like, oh God, this is my life. Like 
sleep sucks and and I'm scared and I have the, these things. And then freshman year of college, didn't feel anything. Sophomore year was like, this something's getting me here. Yeah. Like I feel things. And then when I look at apartments, when I go house hunting and stuff, there's just this like I, I'm sort of I would never admit this to my husband or anything when we're looking at places. But there's a certain thing where I'm like, is there a ghost here? Because I don't <laughs> like that feeling. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and in that we the house we bought here, actually, a, the previous owner died in the house, which you would think then I would say hell no <laughs> to it. <Yeah. laughs> but he lived, he built the house. He lived there with his family. He died in the house. You know, you have to look at all the, yeah. the disclaimer or whatever. Right. That's, somebody died here. And oh, they, they gave you, they said, you know, paper. cause it yeah. was just a, within that year that oh, we bought okay. it. Um, and so before we were renovating everything and I had met his friends on the block and I met his kids and stuff. And my husband thought I was so crazy for doing this, but I walked around the house before we moved in. His name's Ted. I said, Ted, if you're still here, uh, my name's Liz. I'm about to move in with my with my family. And I'm currently pregnant. I have a you know a two-year-old. And I'm really scared of ghosts. And it just seems like you're such a nice person from what I've gathered. <laughs> and if you're still here, if you could move on because you would freak me out. And I said, like, and if my kid one day says, hi, Ted, I'll lose my mind. (laughs) (laughs) So from what I understand, you're a really nice person. Get on out. (laughs) No, I think that's that's very smart that you always hear about that. He did. (laughs) Well, uh, two things. One, I've heard of people actually having uh, problems or incidents and then addressing who they thought it would be. And sometimes that, that does get things to stop. Yeah. Now, I mean, who knows? What, right. You know, but uh, I have heard I that. I felt so like I crazy. had a talk with right. him and was like, and and if he, from what I understand, he was such a nice man, would yeah. be like, oh, well, I don't want to freak you out. I'll, I'll get yeah. on my way. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Right. The other thing Your is, version yeah. of him sounds so nice. Yeah. Yeah. He's so well, nice. Ted. Well, he sounds like you might, yeah, you might want him around. He can look yeah. after the kids. When you're yeah. Out. Here's the thing about sleep paralysis. It's kind of interesting. It's like, and one of the reasons I asked you guys how, why you slept or how you slept, it, apparently if you sleep on your back, when you're sleeping, your soft palate can sort of collapse and cause you to suffocate, and it'll wake you up. And it will wake you up in a state of abject terror as well. But the thing about that is, is that's that's sort of a sudden occurrence. And you do wake up and you have this feeling. You can have – there's record, recorded incidents of people saying, you know, one of Forrest's favorite things, what's old hag syndrome? Where that is a syndrome. Of, but, but that's, see, again, that's a very – The hag syndrome. That's what's chest. interesting is people see either an old – a withered old woman at the foot of the bed – Oh, Again, a friend are... of mine had that. What? <laughs> it was an old man, How though, I should say. It's somebody old. It was an old man at the foot of her bed. You really don't want to see anybody at the foot of your bed. Yeah, That's, it was an old yeah. man at the foot of her bed. Really? Yeah, and then and... did she have the others? Because I think what Scott and I are getting at, uh, basically, I, I believe there's two types of isolated sleep paralysis. So it's an ISP, or there's a recurring one, and then there's an isolated, which is just a one-off thing. Mm-hmm. And each one has distinct characteristics about it. So the recurring one, though does not kind of match what you're saying. The phenomenon or experience that, ty- that is tied with that the most is the experience that... Uh, one of them has more out-of-body experiences and the other one has what they call the intruder or the I'm incubus. sorry, I'm sorry, yes. Yeah. So, okay, that's what it the is. Incubus so incubus our- is bad. That, well, that one comes after you sexually, which you guys have not described. <laughs> no, and... and yeah. So we're just calling this one the intruder. It. Okay. The, re- the recurring one, <laughs> it's the recurring isolated sleep paralysis, which usually has an out-of-body yes. feeling. To mm-hmm. it, which might describe just 
kind of what you're doing, but not what you were experiencing, which is really interesting because you had the same experience, but different in the way you saw it and the Mm -hmm. way you, you know, how, how, how it unfolded for both. Yeah. Additionally, it doesn't start and go away after a year. It's like, it's a condition that's a lifelong condition Yeah, or it's something that happens like once a every 20 years or something like Mm -hmm. that. Because when you're asleep, you're very vulnerable, and you're oh. it's sort of this going back to caveman time. Yeah, and, yeah. That, and, 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 what's, and again, the, the difference. So, thing. is part of the evolutionary part of it is that you're supposed to be scared as defensive so as that you can be. You're supposed to sense get your yeah. body going. Yes. Yeah. Well, you notice dogs immediately if there's any little noise, like they're already up. Mm-hmm. You know, people they they sleep through a lot of stuff. Animals are uh, because that would have been. We never had a pet growing yeah. up. Like I'd be curious. Like, oh, if we had a dog, what would that dog right. have been barking yeah. at? <laughs> well, the, and the, the thing about it is, though, that like when you read about the sleep paralysis and the different kinds of sleep paralysis, what you guys are describing doesn't fall into any of the categories. Yeah, there's some major it's, differences yeah, that don't that aren't the clinical thing. Yeah. Well, so and so it comes back down to this: it, it hasn't happened to you anymore, either one of you. Not nothing like that. No, I've had the creepy feeling of oh, this place is haunted or something. Right. And I've had nightmares, but where I wake up and go, oh, that was a nightmare. Do this still- was something in between, like. Do you still sleep on your back or not? Now, tummy. <laughs> that's now, right. Oh, that's yeah. right. You said tummy. That's right. I sleep <laughs> on my side now. <clears throat> right. So that's the only thing. That's the only thing we could say, oh, well, maybe we're having like sort of an apnea. And our dad has thing. sleep apnea. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And now has a sleep apnea mask and everything. Ooh, but he the, didn't have that one. Like, yeah. yeah that would, <laughs> well, that would scare away yeah. spirits. I but, yeah, right. I wonder if we have something like that. Or but it like, only happened for one year. and it, That's the other interesting but then thing. It's it like, away. Enough people. Do you did you ever have friends that said to you that our house was creepy, or did you never talk about it with people? Oh, uh, I never talked about it. Okay, but can I, I ask I, Craig more questions because we don't sure. really talk Please about do. this? Do. Yeah. <laughs> if you had to like pick what that thing was that that came down the hall, would you say male or female? Male. Yeah. Same. Because oh, that's interesting. Because earlier. Just a little bit ago, you said it was neither male nor female. Well, you didn't know for sure. I guess I don't know. It was like an energy. But yes, if I had to pick, if I had to like bet on it, I'd easily go male. Right. It was evil. Like it was not that women can't, but it it had like a... (laughs) You know. what, did, did it have any intent? Do you do you feel like it, it was trying to do something, trying to communicate yeah. something? Just get out. Not get out. I don't... Uh... Like violence? I, I don't know. I just I felt know. like it, I don't know if it wanted to hurt me or just wanted to scare me. Yeah. But it just wasn't good. It wasn't... It, it was, was not, not good. And not indifferent. <laughs> No, it was not like I'm just watching you sleep because it was like, fuck you. Yeah. Get the fuck. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But it wasn't move out of this house right. either. And it didn't. And there was no other actions. It didn't do anything. Nothing. Uh, no, no, things weren't out of place in the house. It was, or was just that... like, I like scaring you. Yeah, it was maybe. just into oppression. Yeah. You um, had told me when we talked earlier this week about the basement door that time. What? what... Yes. I don't even know if you know this. So. Again, high school, so nobody's home. My parents are off doing something. I'm sitting in the living room watching TV, and I have – it's basically like the the basement door is just right over here, and I'm watching TV this way. Basement door wide open, slam shut. And I 
was always just a little bit, just didn't like being home alone, you know? And like, but slam shut, it wasn't near anything, like no windows are open or anything. And it felt like a little like, ah, fuck you. Like, <laughs> I'm here. Like it did feel taunting. Yeah. And I, re- I think I even was like, oh, like, come on, man. You know, like, had I was really scared, but <laughs> Did also, like... Did you go like, open the door? Oh, God, no. It was you just, You just left like, it closed. Oh, it was like, I'm not even going over there. Like, I just... Everything shut down. You know, I think I turned off the TV. I don't even know where I went or anything, but it was just like, oh, this house. That's so crazy. Hmm. But the other three occupants... Nothing. Didn't, Nothing. Never, just thought it was perfectly fine. <laughs> Our parents still live there yeah. to this day. But you think maybe your mom may... Maybe. I think our when I asked my dad about it at some point, he was like, oh, you guys are... Like the same way our sister yeah. is like, you guys are crazy. And then our mom doesn't say too much about it. And then I had my mom take the picture of our house and then the hallway. And I said, oh, we're doing this podcast about the ghost. Do you think we're crazy? And it was all through text. And she wrote back, crazy? No. And then that text intrigued me because she had never copped to, like, believing in that anything was up with our house. He said, wait, so do you think that there is slash was a ghost in our house? She wrote, not necessarily, but you've always had good intuition. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, cagey. So I can't quite... And that's yeah, you don't know if it's curt- mom being supportive or, or she doesn't quite doesn't want to talk about something. Want to talk about it if she's felt something. I mean, I love thinking that ghosts exist, actually. So, like, yeah. I'm in the camp of not these. I don't like that the bad ones are around, but right. I like this that something else is going to happen when we die. Yeah. And I know our grandma was like, people say she saw things and she had dreams that then came true and and stuff like that like i feel like we have this if that's a possibility we have this gene that's just a bit more in touch with stuff right but then the like science part of me if you go okay none of there are no ghosts that's crazy our brain does so much stuff you don't we can't be aware of i i could totally understand somebody commenting that like well craig and i are from Woodbridge, Virginia, not a comedy place, like doesn't breed comedians. It's not a very common uh, career to be an yeah. improv comedian. And no one in our family showed us the way of that. And we are both so much in that camp and our our brains think alike. We have similar dreams. We have like, so could we have possibly, does our DNA make us so that when we're 15 and we're going through puberty, we have this terrible nightmare. You know, it, it's interesting that you should say that because they're in the in my cursory research with the sleep paralysis, they have made comparisons with identical twins, but that's as far as it's gone. And from that, they've supposed a genetic connection in sleep paralysis cases, but you guys are far from identical twins, so right. but they they do think there's a genetic there's a possible genetic component to that. Well, I, I will say I have this uh, close friend that she it skipped a sibling in what she experiences, and that there's five kids in this family, and they're from uh, New England, and there's two older siblings, fraternal twins. So there's, there's a older boy and a girl. There's a middle child, uh, another daughter, and then she is part of another set of fraternal twins. Now, she's not closer to the one closer in age. She is very close, I would say, psychically, spiritually, to the older twin. 
where they've sent each other identical birthday cards, you know, just Whoa, randomly. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I didn't mention this in a, uh, a story we just did that just aired here. She and her older sister also saw their father appear as he was before he died. Before he was dead. Oh, I love it. Like a few days, he was very ill in the hospital, and they both saw him just like pop up in the living room. As kind of, I, I think it's kind of a goodbye. But they share something, and they're not, they're not closest, they're the furthest in age. And they're not, and the middle sibling, nothing. I mean, they're, you yeah. know, they're close, but they're, there's, there's no connection there. So I, I found it interesting. It's not between the two fraternal twins, either the yeah. older set or the younger set. It's just, but it is within the family. We both had, and then we talked about this later, we both had the nightmare of the, the cult going down the, <laughs> the, the, do you remember that dream yeah. of yours? Yeah. yeah. And that's six years old. Wait, what now? Uh, we had a Dodge <laughs> you Colt. You didn't know what that meant? Uh, yeah. A Dodge Colt, a shitty uh, stick shift car that I learned to drive on. I remember the Colt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, From, yeah, tell you, yeah. We had a similar dream of the car. We Our entire cul-de-sac is on an incline as well. Long yeah. hill that goes down and we're one of the lower houses uh, heading toward the bottom of the cul-de-sac um, of the Colt. Just going, going toward the, the reservoir to me, into the yeah, reservoir. And into the reservoir. Yeah. But we both had that dream as kids. You weren't in the car. In the dream, I'm in the car, oh. and the car goes down. Wait, is this in the same house? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I wait. Yeah. You're, but wait, now I was in the car <laughs> yeah. as well in the dream. And Are you dreaming that each other is in the car with you? No, you no, we were never in that car. So together. Again, eight years. I mean, in eight years as a kid is very significant. Like now, Craig, I feel like, oh, we're the same age. We have the same friends. But like, that's a big, like, he's eight years older than me, you know. Um, And we're definitely never talking about like, I'm I'm not like six years old and asking, you know, 14 year old Craig, like, did you dream about the cult last night? (laughs) But then later in life, we find out we both had that nightmare. Did Did it go in the water and you died? You drowned or? It went in the water and I would wake up. Uh, and same for you. Yes. And, but you were both dreaming that you alone were in the car. Alone yes. in the car in the passenger seat for me. As a parent, I'm saying to my son sometimes, <laughs> yeah. you know, he's playing with the emergency brake in the car. That's what it was. It was about the emergency brake. Right. So I'm wondering if maybe your parents were it's like, anxiety. don't mess with this. Yes. And sure. You're going to roll into no, the water. For sh- and for me, it was this. It was my dad took me to Montessori school and and then would drive to D.C. So he'd come into the car with his briefcase. He'd get it all warmed up. I'd sit in the passenger seat. <laughs> he'd go back inside for his coffee. And I'd sit there alone. And he always told me, do not touch this emergency brake in real life. <laughs> right. So then at night, I have this dream. So all that makes it like the we were psychological- given this- <laughs> <laughs> core of yeah. the yeah. dream is not hard to pinpoint. You know, it's right. not a random... As, yeah. <laughs> as opposed to an evil spirit trying to make yes. the kids feel However, like they're going to drown. But I'm saying, like, something about... Again, I probably asked my sister this, and she goes, never had that dream. Like, something about that anxiety provoked us to have the exact same dream. Okay. And we we cool. also fly the same way in our dreams? Yeah, talk about oh, that what? a little yeah. bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> For me, if I fly in my dream, I have to run for a little bit and like hop, and then that doesn't work the first time. And like I run a more hop, and then uh, breast moving your arms like you're swimming, <laughs> swimming like it's breast. And then I get a little bit higher, and I might go back down, and then I got to run again and hop. And then when I fly, it's not like Superman; it's just 
it's swimming through the air. It's just, it's and a not, lot of work. It's a lot of work. It's exhausting. <laughs> it's not worth the effort. It's not like, worth why it. Why fly? It's not worth it. Are you, are you enjoying it when it's happening? Or is this no, like, hey, this is no, cool. No, it's Whoa. work. Yeah. Like, it's I need hard. to get somewhere and this is not very I don't very remember efficient. any flying methodology. I don't even remember flying in a dream. These guys know how they really? do it. Yeah. <laughs> you don't, you've never flown in a dream? Because well, I've never flown it. any other way besides this very hard <laughs> breaststroke. So yeah. you remember it. <laughs> it's exhausting. <laughs> wow. See, that, I was telling them earlier, like, I uh, recently have had dreams where I feel like I'm flying. And most maybe it's tied to, like, I've been traveling a lot for work. But I have the fear in the dream that, like, what if this magic kind of wears off? I'm, you know, I'm 10,000 feet of, because I'm not doing any effort. I'm just actually flying. Like, I don't know how this works. This is magic. And it's like, wait, what if it stops? Yeah. And then you get anxiety about that. And then you kind of come down. But I thought about, I don't know if this would really applied to this specific show but in just thinking about like when i talked about our grandma there was this this story that i've heard about her um she always had a dream her she had very vivid dreams too and she had always had a dream about a white horse which is a very common symbol uh when someone was about to die and so that was kind of like a thing in her life. If she had the dream about the white horse, she'd wake up and be like, oh, I had the dream about the white horse and would find out that somebody had just passed away. And I remember hearing that even sometimes it'd be like, oh, a week later, she'd get a letter. You know, it wasn't immediate. Yeah. She passed away first. My grandfather lived to be 98. And I was there the week that he – I was in the house the night he died. My dad got to hold his hand. And that – when we got there to visit him – he was my uncle who lived with them was like, I don't know. I'm glad you guys came. Dad's not doing so well. He was in the kitchen and talking about uh, how a horse was in the kitchen and how get that horse out of here. And then, and my uncle said, dad, there's no horse in here. And he said, no, it's looking right at me. I see that white horse, get it out of here. And then he died like a few nights later, very peacefully in his sleep. But we were all like, oh, that was our like grandma sending her sign, you know, like. Wow. He, he could see it though while he was conscious. He could yeah. see, he, and, wow. and my uncle took it as, oh, he's losing it. Yeah, he's hallucinating. He's, he's hallucinating. And then I don't know if he, my uncle didn't know the story because anyway, this all came about where he was telling the story. And then Aunt Kathy started crying and said, that was mom. That was mom. Don't you remember? Mom always had the dream about the white horse. That was her coming for him. Wow. Um, the, oh, um, love it. My, uh, my wife, Emily, and Liz worked together. And Emily had told me actually something that I didn't ask you about, Liz, before you got here. But she'd said that you hadn't had, and maybe you don't want to talk about it, but that you'd had a dream pertaining to 9-11. Oh, yeah. No, I'll talk about it. Did I tell you this? I did, did not know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, a, a night of discovery. Because well, it's just, <laughs> we don't talk about that much in our family. Um, <laughs> so, okay. The, on September... 10th of 2001 i flew from logan back to chicago i was on a second city gig uh i just i wonder if the, anyway it wasn't the night before forget that part <laughs> sorry <laughs> but i just remember like oh my god i flew from that airport the day before but okay days before 9 11 i had a night a nightmare that i was um at first, I was somebody at the bottom of a re one really large tower building. And in, I lived in Chicago at the time. So when I woke up, I thought like, oh, Sears Tower, John Hancock 
And it wasn't two, it was just one, but it had a ring of fire two thirds of the way up. No planes or anything are in this dream, but it's this ring of fire. And then in the dream, it cut to all these different people. So it was somebody looking up and being very worried. And then I was somebody uh, above the ring of fire and there were people jumping and I didn't know what to do. And I was going to try the stairs. And then I was like, but there's this fire there. I don't know what to do. And then I was somebody else on the street. And then the building collapsed like they did on 9-11. And I woke up in like a sweat and I thought, well, that was so weird. Buildings don't fall like that. I was so naive. I thought buildings fell like a tree in the forest, like timber. And I that visual of it crumbling like that just really struck me. I was like, that was so weird. And it it was so scary. And then on 9-11, I uh, was told what was happening once the first plane hit. So nothing, you know, and I was watching on TV. And when that first building fell... I almost passed out. So I was like, that was my dream. Wow. Fully, that was my dream. How how far in advance was like that dream? Like a week? Dream? Oh, yeah. okay. And you then were... that's happened only uh, one other time in my life. Well, I had a dream that my other grandma, not, not the one, uh, Mama Tate, uh, fell down a hill, fell down a hill. And I, this was, I was like middle school. And then she fell down the hill and <laughs> I'm glad you laughed first at that, Craig. I just I was stifling the laughter. <laughs> I made Wait. it happen. <laughs> was she okay? Was she she fell down a hill? Wait, is this when she fell in McDonald's? Not McDonald's. Oh, okay. I did not have the dream about McDonald's. Okay. Oh, we should have made millions. Poor yeah. grandmother. She, no, but she fell down a hill. Yeah. Oh. And she, then wait, also she... I remember th- this is not a dream thing, but just little. Mo- I was saying I used to have much better ESP with landlines. Cell phones have totally fucked me up with that. But I, <laughs> I used to know who was calling with the landline. And when Uncle Mike died, uh, what year was that? Ninety ninety five earlier, I think. So I was probably I was definitely 15. a teenager or something, you know. And the phone rang, and I was upstairs in my room. And went, Uncle Mike died. And he died of a stroke. And mom answered her, dad answered, got the news, told me. And I was like, just like, yeah, I already knew that. Like, it was, ugh. Wow. That's interesting that uh, you got a landlines. Landlines, but no, yeah. but yeah. I had a gift with landlines it's, and cell phones. I got nothing with cell phones. It's the yeah. rules. Yeah. I've got nothing with cell phones. Of course, he's going to write a book of rules. He has <laughs> just, yeah. Why, why certain things happen there. and why certain things don't happen and what facilitates them. But, uh, Craig, have you had any uh, premonitory dreams? No. <laughs> that doesn't happen <laughs> other than the cult uh, going into the river. Yeah. I did not see 9-11 coming or Mama Tate falling down the hill. <laughs> Wait, was Mama Tate okay? Mama Tate was fine. Okay. I mean, it was, it, was, it was a bit of a fall. Oh, okay. It was enough to go into the hospital, oh, okay. I think. All right. I'm glad she's survived that. Yeah. She's the since make... died. Yeah. <laughs> but not so, a, right. But I didn't no, see that coming. Hill related. She's not okay in, <laughs> no, this thing, in the general, this, general sense. This like little times in my life where something has... Yeah. A few times I've known like a friend's in labor. I'm like, oh, they're... Like I knew that with Alice, well, friends, and then my sister. I knew when she was having her baby. So uh, you're mildly psychic, yeah. But like <laughs> three instances, yeah. But yes, yeah. In, oh, you just don't know how to recognize. But again, it. back to like landlines. Like I was when our sister had uh, her first kid. I was bowling, and then I was like, oh, I, th- I think my sister's having her baby. And then I went to a payphone and called, 
And our brother-in-law answered, and I said, uh, uh, is Allison in labor? And then long pause, and he goes, Liz, you're so weird. <laughs> yeah, we're on the way to the hospital. Before he said anything. Yeah, he, like, hated it, and then I met them at the hospital. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, Craig, any, any other uh, strange things that, uh, or not strange, but, like, maybe uh, you would connect to some kind of sense, some kind of sixth sense? Well, Liz just mentioned this before we started recording. I am psychic specifically related to uh, media and pop culture. Right. <laughs> like just, oh, yeah. Just in terms of being able to predict songs uh, coming on my iPod <laughs> when it's yeah. on shuffle. Just, you know, thinking about a band or an artist uh, and then that's the next song. You know, I have thousands of songs. Uh, like 4,000, you said. Yeah, on, on the iPod. And you know what's coming up before it comes yeah. every single time? Or just no, you have to, no, no. you have to focus on it? Occasionally. Or, yeah. I don't try to do it. Sometimes I'll just I'll think about something and then it comes on next. Uh-huh. What was the thing about the magazine? You were uh, somebody was you had said something, some line out loud, and then somebody had just read it, or vice versa. Well, the you story I remember you telling me, and again, this is like ten years ago, is that you're reading a magazine like a Rolling Stone, and the article you're reading, let's say it's the Beatles, so it's like, well, that's very common that yeah. could come on my iPod, and it, and you're like, and it did, and you're like, yeah, well, that's. Sort of weird. I'm reading this article. There's a lot of Beatles on my iPod. Not sure. surprising. And then the next one was like, let's say, I can't remember this, but let's say it's a, a Bob Dylan or something. You know, it's another common one. Sure. But the next song is a Bob Dylan. And you're like, oh, well, that's weird. But again, fine. And then the third one was like, Modest Mouse, you know, <laughs> like, and then you were like, "All right," and then I remember you said you just like shut the magazine. We're like, "I'm out." Like, yeah, I'm not going to deal I with this right now. I got sufficiently creeped out enough of like I didn't want that process to continue. Whoa, yeah, that's you know? crazy. Yeah. yeah, it was that's three crazy. in a row though. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. And you're like, "Nope." I'm good. Yeah. But, I think I've got float on and that's it. So <laughs> <laughs> it ends with Modest Mouse. Well, uh, but now does this continue or has that kind of died? Have you noticed, was it uh, more uh, obviously more active when you were both around 16 and, and, t- and tied with the house? Mm-hmm. But it's kind of, you would say, generally uh, evenly spaced throughout uh, your entire lives, little things happening here and there? I guess so. Uh, I feel like more... I was definitely much more scared, though, in that house growing up. I've never felt that scared again since, and I'm so happy. Like, from elementary school on, like, just really, like, nightmares and scared and just feeling wrong in that house and thinking, oh, that's just life because that's the only house I ever lived in. So there's a part of me that, like, once I didn't feel that anymore, was like, oh, good. (laughs) And so in a way, I, like, look for it in places when I – house hunter when i would apartment hunt like if i feel anything here it's not worth it like little things have reminded you or brought that feeling back but not to the full force not to the full force it's that's still like because clearly like still my nightmare goes there like if i have a ghost nightmare it's that house have you seen fallen denzel washington you ever seen that movie? no have you seen that movie (laughs) Yeah. You've mentioned that before. Yeah. yeah. Is, it's, it, is I mean, he it's an a angel? Movie, right? He's it's like, yeah. a, again, my degree in cursory research. But, um, <laughs> the, cursory movie watching. Um, yeah. But I feel like the movie's probably rooted in some decent research about um, theology, and uh, it's about a demonic spirit that moves from person to person. It's it's actually mm. a really good movie. It's really neat. It's a good, scary movie to watch. Mm. But it's interesting because the experience that you described in the 9 11 dream of it, experiencing different all different that's 
right in there with it. It's really fascinating. Yeah, you have very cinematic dreams. I mean, you know, yeah. cinematic dreams. No, it's dreams. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I... I'm not saying I'm you're in a like, demon, by the way. Oh, here's a thing in my <laughs> dreams that's recurring ever since, like, element, from what I can remember, is that um, I cannot complete a call to 911 in my dreams. <laughs> What's the third digit? Well, <laughs> it's, but nine? it's all kinds of, it's either yeah. I do like 912, that's yeah. been, uh, that, come on, that's first thought, whatever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or I call and it's the like murderer who answered and right. he hooked up the line and it's not that person. Or I call and they got the address wrong or I wasn't able to give out the address right or i'm waiting and waiting and waiting and then i, I die before it comes this is just therapy you need yeah <laughs> like that is and then somebody said to me once like oh you're probably gonna die waiting for 911 and that's what it's letting you know oh, it's like yeah. oh jesus <laughs> yeah, thank you and then that just yeah. compiled everything sure. that's right up there you should maybe you should go to that website that tells you what day you're gonna die yeah i mean like oh that's the day i'll call 912 <laughs> three i gotta get nine chances that's why you've been leading that petition to uh, change our the digits of our emergency number. Yeah, right. well, yeah. It's if it not, becomes eight six six, when it's not working, it's not working. We gotta change this. Listen, guys, thank you so much for coming in. Really appreciate it. Um, we love your show. Oh, thank you, and thanks yeah, for thank listening. You very much. Thanks for having us. Explain everything. So that was a pretty crazy story. Well, it. Uh, I mean, it's like each one on its own. Like if Liz just told me this story, you know, people now that we have the show, people are coming up, they're calling us, they're saying, hey, you know, this thing happened to me, you know, and we think, oh, do you want to do a show? We're going to interview you. And a lot of the stories aren't necessarily that interesting. (laughs) Well, no, but (laughs) But, this is a thing. Scott and I have never experienced anything that dramatic or palpable, but we know lots of people that have. And so my point was... Even if you haven't or you don't believe in it, you know what? I'll bet one of your friends or family or someone you know, a coworker, somebody has. Yeah, because it's kind it's of universal. crazy how many yeah. folks – and we've got people lined up to come in here and talk to us. And that's not going to be what every episode of our show is about. But some of these stories are really fascinating. Now, if Liz had just come to me and said, oh, this happened to me when I was a kid on her own. Yeah. Or Craig had said it to me separately. This happened to me. as I would be like, oh. That's an interesting story, and I might even speculate with him well about the things that might cause that, and you know, could be as. But I wouldn't have necessarily it brought them be, in to talk right. to us. It but may not be enough for a show. Yeah, but when yeah. it's both of them experiencing the exact same thing, eight years apart, it's defying the the clinical definitions of hypnagogic, hypnopompic hallucinations. Right. If, even if you don't believe any of that, and you think, well, again, it's it's something uh, biological. Uh, totally natural and explainable. If you look at just what they went through, if you listen to what they went through, it's horrifying because, according to them, it happened three or four nights a week for how long? A year? A year. I love and, yeah. A year of each of their lives. And so imagine, and as also, Liz said, go, you know, they're not, they didn't think about it until they started to go to sleep. Like, oh, yeah, that happens. Well, that's, that's horrible. The, that's the other thing about it that's really fascinating to me is that the presence of the memory is very strange. It's... It's deep. It's it's yes. like really down in their subconscious because in the morning, it's not really there. And it, it reminds me, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners, of how you feel about a dream sometimes. I don't know about you, but for me, it doesn't happen that often. Yeah. But I might be washing the dishes or like driving to the gas station and something will happen and I'll be like, oh my God, I, I dreamed this. Oh, does it come back to you? Yeah. It, and it's yeah. like, oh wait, I dreamed something. Or, you know, not necessarily that I'm seeing the exact same thing I dreamed, but like something reminds me of the dream. And then- yeah. 
And then I have a hard time pinpointing when I had the dream because then I'll be like, okay, this whole dream is coming back to me now. Wait, was that last night or was it five years ago? Like it'll be that hard for me. Well, I think everyone's slightly different because as we noticed with uh, Liz, she has very cinematic dreams. I don't think – I think maybe just a few times in my life have I ever dreamt that I saw saw myself. In fact, I can't even remember any – uh, prominent well, you guys are all flying. Myself. You're flying all over the place. I well, never that, fly anywhere. That's a different thing, though. And uh, boy, if you want to get into the uh, the other whole area of OBEs or out of body experiences, and uh, and there's people that claim that they can do that every night or at will. Uh, I actually I bought a guide about that a few years. I did ago, too. There's a really I... good book uh, called Demystifying the Out of Body Experience, I believe, by Luis Monero, and uh, it's it's a manual. Basically, it's a workshop. Yeah, that's and what of course I, I, have. I haven't. I, well, <laughs> I tried it for a couple of it. weeks, but yeah. it involved like staying up super late and oh, really? rolling your eyes way back uh, in your head and all that kind of stuff. But... Well, see, that's a whole other. <laughs> yeah, but that's a whole other area. And even uh, I, you know, I'd heard this interview with somebody who uh, who has uh, been doing it for years and quite proficient. That at, at that point. Flying is that's for the amateurs. You don't even you know, you're you're into other things that are higher thought, uh, uh, high play as they say. Sometimes uh, w- w- it's a Casey thing. We'll get into that later. Oh, but maybe. I'm not even an amateur. No, I, don't I know get to fly it's, at all. No, you you start doing that tonight. You, you know. I'm going to try and fly. Okay, I am. Well, that's that's another that's in a whole other area. Well, actually, it's connected, but it's called lucid dreaming. Yeah. But that's another area. But this is the thing about that. And oh, by the way, I did I did remember just and it's funny because I was flipping channels. Uh, in the day since they were here for their interview and before we were doing this pickup tonight, yeah. uh, and this show goes up tomorrow night, I was flipping the big Lebowski was on. Oh, that's and right. And when the, he a... gets punched, yes. when they take the rug, yeah. he's doing the breaststroke. Right. In, in, in a <laughs> black flying. background and flying. Yeah, yeah he's flying on a grand old time He also bowling. falls. Yeah, the bowling ball makes him right. fall. But anyway, as I was trying to figure out, you know, how what are we going to do for our outro here, our follow-up on this, I was thinking about... It's not just about sleep. It's not just even if you call this a, a waking dream or a dream or maybe it wasn't happening and they were asleep. Uh, no, it was happening when Liz was in the bathroom brushing her teeth. She was feeling these feelings. Yeah. It was happening in the basement. It was the door slammed in the basement. Right. The, the neighbor heard the ghost tell her to get the fuck out. I mean it's like there there's more going on here. Yes, there's surrounding elements you, to this. Right. And when that you put don't it, fit into just an isolated sleep paralysis episode. If you believe this sort of thing, if you're willing to go down that road, entities seem to be able to, to influence your dreams. Right, and that's a story everyone's heard. Everyone knows a story about somebody who had a dream, about someone who passed away. Yeah, and a lot some... of t- it's not always a horror story. It could be a, a past loved one trying to relay a message. I, that certainly happened in my family. This And this yeah. implies a connection, I guess, between if you believe in this sort of thing, any kind of existence after death, it implies a connection between that and your state of consciousness. There is, an, there is a connection of energy. And as I stated before, I, I believe the universe runs on energy. It's all about gathering it how it's used it runs it that's how things work so when you when you think about that we just lost lots of subscribers they're like oh these guys are just a couple of we're crystal hugging hippies <laughs> we're not talking about <laughs> gathering energy you can use it for malevolent purposes apparently but i and and who knows i've heard that uh the reason that entities scare you is because fear is an energy and somehow they're able oh, to harvest that i mean that's one thing why what's the purpose i always ask myself if you're going to believe in this for just a little bit for the uh, sake of the story, you got to wonder why 
are they doing this? What is the purpose? And also, yeah. you know, what the last thing that Liz said to us is, what happened? Tell us what happened. Yeah, because you know? that's what we, we that's what we want. And I always think of that, uh, what you, uh, Scott's favorite films, The Mothman Prophecies, and Richard Gere, doesn't he ask? Alan Bates. Yeah, he asked the you, There's always a professor. The yes, there's always a professor or some yeah, smart guy. Why doesn't guy. it just tell us what it wants? Yeah. He's like, have you ever stopped to explain yourself to a cockroach? Yeah, how would you do that? Yeah. How, what would what it would understand? The, yeah, and what would be the point? Right. And the other thing that's kind of chilling with that film is uh, their reasons are their own, which means you are not even going to understand why they're doing this. Yeah. Um, if you like just these kind of stories in a really short, briefly told format, again, we're going to refer to uh, Jim Harold's Campfire podcast, which is just people calling him, calling into him and relaying their strange and spooky stories. And it could be anything. But after you've listened to like hundreds of these... What you notice is that there's some common threads. One thing that you notice is that, yes, a lot of dreams are influenced by entities or past loved ones or what what have you. The other thing is that I hear this a lot, and it, I can't imagine myself doing it, let me just say, is that after something weird like, oh, I, I woke up in the middle of the night and I saw this black mass hovering above my bed, and then I went back to sleep. And it's like, I, think, I don't know if I mentioned that during the interview, but that's a common thing. Folks seem to go back to sleep because... Look, if I had a nightmare like that, I'm going to be up for at least 15... I'm not going right back to sleep. Well, there's something about the psychology of when the event happens, because they both described being scared, terrified, Yeah, you know, but also being able to go back to sleep. There's yeah. something about the way it's And then forgetting, and then, and then the I mean, morning they Liz, went on about their day. Liz sometimes left her room and went to sleep with right. her parents, but right. other times she stayed in there. A lot of this has to do with how does the person feel about yes. it? And when we ask, when people tell us stories... Uh, we asked him, like, well, what do you think it's, was its intent? And what we get from both Liz and Craig was that it was not good. It was not good. It was a malevolent kind of presence, whatever you want to call it. I think that in their case, Liz and Craig, obviously, if you listen to all the stories they told, the dream about 9-11, the Craig having these sort of weird things with media, which I think is actually pretty interesting. They're open doors. And I think that this thing knew that they knew it was there. And... I think it probably also knew that Allison, their sister, didn't know it was there. Yeah, and as well as their parents. Right. And so Or it, that they have a tougher time, whatever this thing was, would have a tougher time getting to them. That's right. So he found he found his target rich environment upstairs. Yeah. And he identified the people that he could, as you said, feed off of, maybe feed off their fear. Right. And came back for them over and over. There's something to that. There's something about how this all happened and how this unfolded and like I said, when you combine it with her friend in the basement and the basement door slamming and the other, you know, things that they both experienced, there, there there's definitely something up. There's just a weird pattern that's yeah. unexplainable. And who look, we don't know what this thing's purpose was or what they actually experienced. We're not we're not saying that. It's just that it's very odd that it happened in this way and with such frequency and with the surrounding, you know, facts of the story. It's also important to note that recurring nightmares generally strike children under the age oh, of yeah. 10, and usually it's a natural part of development. I remember when my son had him. He's five and a half now. He hasn't had any in a long time, but it's a natural thing. It's not something that strikes people who are 15 and 16 and 17 years old. So, Liz, to answer your question about what it is or what happened, I have to say that, frankly, I think you and Craig were lucky. In some cases, things like what you experienced – escalate into something much, much more serious. And if if you believe in demons or you want to take the religion out of it, if that doesn't work for you, just believe in malevolent energy, then you can find cases 
where once something like this realizes that you know it's there, which this thing clearly did, it really starts to get involved in your life. And in worst-case scenarios, it can even make you sick or make you start to behave strangely. If you believe the story that inspired the world-famous haunting in Connecticut about the Snedeker family that lived in a former funeral home, it could kill you. Special thanks to Liz and Craig Kukowski for coming into the studio. We'll be back in two weeks with another show for you. I want to take a quick second to plug the Thrilling Adventure Hour that Craig is on. It is a great show. You guys should check out the podcast. And if you live in L.A. or some of the other cities that they get to, it's a good show to go see in person as well. And look out for Liz's new show that she's working on, Last Man on Earth, on March 1st. Our theme was composed by Judson Crane and our sound design done by Ryan McCullough. Special thanks to Jim Creative Design for our logo. Most importantly, we want to thank our listeners. You can find us online at astonishinglegends.com as well as Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and Google+. Copyright Scott Philbrook and Forrest Burgess. Good night. <laughs>